atmosphere is under the sun, which means you look out at life and just try and make sense of it without a personal word from God, make sense of the world. And what uh, the teacher has said is he's already stated his, uh, his conclusion. Meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. As you read through Ecclesiastes, you get so sick of hearing that. The, the point is made very clear. And it, that word meaningless is like a puff of vapour out of your mouth on a cold winter's morning. And what he's done so far and through the rest of the book is he's going through the big ticket areas of life and testing to see whether any of these things can give him meaning and purpose that lasts. And so far, surprise, surprise, they haven't been able to. Uh, Money and possessions, wisdom and education, pleasures, work, rest, riches, prosperity, times and seasons of different things. He's tested them all and meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Now we come to the topic of death. And under the sun we see that all people die in sin. It's a truth we already know, but we prefer not to think about. Every person who ever lived, no matter who you are, what you've done is in the queue for the morgue. Have a look at verse 2 of Ecclesiastes 9. You've got your Bibles open. Verse 2. All share a common destiny. The righteous, the wicked, the good, the bad, the clean, the unclean. Those who offer sacrifices, those who don't. As it is with the good man, so with the sinner. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid of them. This is the evil that in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. No matter who you are, no matter if your character is good or bad, you're religious, you take oaths and sacrifices, you don't. Life under the sun, without a specific word from God, all people die. Their love, their hate, their jealousy, they're all gone. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. As a 20-year-old, seeing those dead bodies in the morgue was confronting for me. No 20-year-old thinks they're going to die, especially not in Perth. No 40-year-old thinks they're going to die in Perth. Actually, I know 70-year-olds in denial. And I remember thinking, someday that will be me too. Verse 3 says, this is the evil in everything. It literally says, this is the evil of all evils. It's the grand poobah of all evils. But it gets worse. Did you see the second half of verse 3? The hearts of all people are full of evil and there is madness in their hearts while they live. All people die in sin. There is no person who ever lived who can stop their death. And there is no person who ever lived who is without sin, who hasn't turned away from God. I remember um, talking to a friend of mine and he claimed he didn't sin. Do you know what I did? I punched him. Do you think he sinned? He sinned after that. At this point, the teacher throws his hands in the air. Did you see it? And he says, stuff it. He gets sarcastic and a bit bitter. Have a look at verse 4. He says, anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. It's better to live than be dead, but it's bittersweet. Living isn't that good. It's better than being dead. Why? Verse 5. 
the living know that they're going to die. Sarcastic, isn't it? The dead know nothing. There's no reward for them, no memory of them, but they're alive. At least they know something. One big thing, they're going to die. If you look out there, just try and make sense of death without a personal word from God. This is it. All people die in sin. So what do we do? What does a person do if that's true? You eat, drink, and be merry. That's what the teacher says. Verse 7, go, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with joyful hearts. God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed with white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with the wife of your, of, with your wife, whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labour under the sun. Last week I said that I think Perth preaches a gospel to us. I don't know if you remember that. I think there's a very, you know, gospel just means great news that changes you. That's what the word means. Perth preaches a great gospel. Do you know what it is? Enjoy it while you've got it. Store it up and enjoy as much of it now, here and now. That's the Perth gospel, isn't it? That's what Perth is saying to us. I um, met with a guy last week who's close to death. He's had a hard life, much harder than most of us, and I asked him, what do you think is going to happen when you die? And he said to me something very sad. We just rot. So those were his words. And so I said, well, how do you make sense then of life? What's it about? And he said, well, just enjoy it while you've got it. That is the Perth gospel life. Under the sun, all people die in sin. But it gets worse. I don't know if you saw. Chance rules an uncertain life. Have a look at verse 11. He sees something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favour to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no one knows when his hour will come. As fish caught in a cruel net or birds are taken in a snare, so men are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly on them. Under the sun, life is ruled by chance. The teacher brings out five examples of this. Did you see? The fast, the strong, the clever, the rich and the learned. The fast and the strong people don't always win. The race is not to the swift, the battle is not to the strong. The cleverest and richest people don't always get the best things. Food doesn't come to the wise or the wealth to the brilliant or favour to the learned. When I read this, I can't help but remember a guy in my high school who was a very quick runner. He was fast. He always won every race. And to my surprise, he was also top 10 in the TEE. You know what that is? ATAR equivalent. That's old school language, TEE. But he also came from a very rich household. So he's got three or five. He's fast, he's rich, and he's clever. But what happened to him is he made some wrong decisions. It was very difficult to hear. His mind started to betray him, got diagnosed with manic depression and killed himself. That's sad, isn't it? Life under the sun is not guaranteed. It's actually 
ruled by chance and uncertain. Whenever we go on holidays, we go fishing. And I remember the first time my kids caught their first fish, Kate, Sam, Lucy, catch their first fish. There's this herring, big herring, swimming along and bang, gets caught by one of my kids and I have to unhook it and gut it and all that sort of stuff, obviously. Even my wife's fish I have to do that for. But she fillets them all, so that's fine. Imagine that fish swimming along. No, no one ever thinks of the fish, right? This poor fish, minding his own business, bang, in the fry pan, garlic and butter. Just like a fish swimming along, minding its own business, then gets trapped, so too life under the sun, bang, goes from happy to terrible. That's what the teacher says. And that is life under the sun. All people die and chance rules an uncertain life. And at this point we're thinking, far out, this is depressing. And it is. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to take us to that point so that we see we need something else. That is the world we live in. That is the world we know. When we walk out there, that's a depressing cue to the morgue. But there is another world. Most of us know it already. There is a world where death is defeated and that is not ruled by chance. Jesus comes and turns those things on its head, doesn't he? Two things he does. We're going to finish up looking at Ephesians chapter 2. It'll be on the screen for you. But the first thing is Jesus makes all people live even though they die. Have a look at Ephesians chapter 2. This is Paul, the apostle, writing to the Christians in Ephesus. And he's saying what you were and what you are. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love for us, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. We were all dead. We're born into life under the sun. Like a flower that I was going to go pick a flower and I forgot. I was going to go pick a flower and get in trouble for picking a flower in the courtyard and putting it in a glass, put it in a glass with some water. What's wrong with the flower in a glass with some water? It looks fine. It looks okay for a while, but it's not attached to its life source, is it? We are like the flower, left on our own, in a world of chance, life under the sun. Life looks all right for a little while, but at some point we wither. And die. If I went into the morgue at the hospital and started shouting at the dead bodies, hey guys, wake up, come on, come on, they would just say, mate, the mental war's around the corner. But did you see the two words that change everything? But God. But God has intervened cracked into a world of chance and death. But God has broken in with mercy. But God makes dead people live. 
when God cracks into our world in Jesus Christ, he reverses life under the sun. Jesus lives a perfect life, dies in our place, but he doesn't stay dead. He is raised to new life. Death is no longer terrible. It no longer has a sting. It no longer has power over Jesus and everyone who puts their trust in him. So, what does the the flower in the glass need? Maybe some more sugar? No, no, no. It needs to be grafted back onto its life source and then it will live. That is what Jesus does. When you come to Jesus Christ, you don't just trust him. You unite yourself to him by faith. And so what happens to Jesus happens to you. Did he die? You will die. Did he rise from the dead? You will rise from the dead. Faith in the Bible is superglue. It's uniting yourself. It's not just I trust something's going to happen. It's uniting yourself to Jesus Christ. And so what happens to him happens to you. He rises to new life. You rise to new life. If I went to the morgue and said to those dead corpses, live, clearly they're not going to live. Why? Because I don't have the power. I have not defeated death. And I have not been raised from the dead. But Jesus has. He's the only one who can look at dead corpses and say, live. And they live. He makes all things new. All people live. But also, he rules everything forever. Ecclesiastes 9 kind of rips open our world, doesn't it? It says, this is a world of uncertainty we live in. Time and chance happen to everyone, and death rules. But Jesus turns that on its head. uh, Ephesians chapter 1. We'll finish up here. Listen to this amazing thing. God raised Christ from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that's named, not only in the present age, in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So Jesus, God raised Jesus from the dead and placed him in a ruling position. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, that is the ruling reigning position, far above all authority, and he puts everything under his feet. You can't get any more clear than this, can you? Even though we can't see Jesus right now, he rules and reigns everything forever for the church. When you read this, can't help but think of uh, Psalm 8. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands and have put everything under his feet. And if we go further back, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion, have rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the livestock and over all the earth. What Adam couldn't do, what Israel couldn't do, what you and I can't do, what this world can't do is rule and reign. Jesus does. Do you see what this means? 
Jesus is the risen King. This matters because in a world of death and chance, we need a ruler. Every ruler you look to, every human leader, you think is going to be the one lets you down. And how does that make you feel? It makes you feel like things are out of control. Every human leader, government, business, sport, you thought was going to be the one. I thought Nat Fife was going to be the one to take the Dockers to a premiership. Can't even get into the finals. Every human leader will let you down. And when that happens, you feel like there's no one in control. Life is just chance. Things just happen. But Jesus has power and dominion and authority to rule over all things. And what if those feet that have all things under them are the same feet that hung on a cross for your sin? What if the one who rules all is the one who paid the price for your sin? and was raised from the dead. Jesus makes all people live, and he rules absolutely everything forever. Okay, so what does that mean for us? Well, if you're not a Christian, and there might be some of us in amongst us uh, this morning, if you've not yet come to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Saviour, can you see what kind of world you're living in? You're living in a world where death devastates, and there is a heavy hand of death on you. You probably feel the weight of it sometimes. And chance rules. That's a scary and unpredictable life. Turn to Jesus Christ. He has everything in his hands. He offers you a world where death has no sting and where chance does not rule. If you are a Christian, most of us are Christian here, the question for us is, which world are we actually living in? We say we trust Jesus, but as we go out there, does death devastate you? And do you think chance rules? Don't be deceived into living under the sun. Don't listen to the Perth gospel. Jesus has rescued you from a world where death and chance rule into a world of certainty and assurance and forgiveness and grace. If you've united yourself to Jesus Christ by faith, what happens to him happens to you. So stop living as if Jesus hasn't died for your sins and defeated death. Stop living as if chance rules. It doesn't. Jesus rules. When we wake up each day, the challenge for us is to say, I have been rescued by Jesus we speak the word to us. We don't listen to the world. We speak the word to us. It says, I have been rescued by Jesus from a world where sin and death rule me and death uh, and chance rules. And I am now living in a world where Jesus has paid the punishment for my sin. So now when I die, I live. And chance doesn't rule me. Jesus does. So there's the question as we finish up. Which, which world do you want to live in? A world where sin and death devastate, and chance rules, or a world where Jesus has defeated sin and death, and he rules forever. One is scary and unpredictable, and the other is secure and certain.
as certain as Jesus was raised from the dead, Jesus makes all people live and he rules everything forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have cracked open our world in your son Jesus. We look out there and we see a world where all people die in sin and chance rules an uncertain life. But then we see Jesus dying our death and rising to new life, making us live even though we die and ruling everything forever. Help us to speak that truth of the gospel. Not listen to the Perth gospel, but listen to your true gospel of grace in your son Jesus. May we live for the praise of his glory. In his name we pray. Amen. 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 Just before